In this episode, we talked to Jim Johnson, the Star Trek product line manager for Modifius Entertainment. This is STA Engage. Okay, with that out of the way, let's start with some basic introductions. I am your host, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. I am not a real doctor, although I do have medical training, uh, and uh, I do play one in Star Trek Adventures, because I'm a nerd. But if they were to hand out uh, advanced degrees for being a nerd, or for playing games for uh, pretty much your entire life in one's basement, uh, I would definitely have earned one by now. Uh, this show is STA Engage, where we talk about the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game, My Bodifious Entertainment. So I guess what can you expect from this show? Well, uh, in association with uh, the folks over at ContinuingMissionSTA.com, we are going to highlight products from Star Trek Adventures, the product line of the RPG. We're going to have interviews with Modifius staff like we are today with Jim Johnson. Uh, we're also going to talk with Star Trek Adventures community members, uh, leaders of the community, and discuss ways for you to improve your game, uh, get the most out of your character, better story ideas, general Star Trek news. I mean, you name it. If it's Star Trek or gaming related, Star Trek or Star Trek gaming related, we're going to cover it probably. Um, all of this is in an effort uh, to help fans of Star Trek and of role playing engage with the Star Trek franchise better. This show is brought to you by the letter Q, the number one, and the support of people like you. So like, subscribe, share, support us on Patreon. You can find out more about the folks that sponsor us and help put the show together, uh, like our production team at Studio Tembo, uh, the folks over at Continuing Mission, and our sponsor for Season 1, Adventure Inc. Um, you can find all of this and more in the links below. Check out the doobly-doo. So, with all of that out of the way, uh, I guess the big question that everybody has in mind, and really the reason you're probably here, uh, is what is STA and why should I care? Uh, well, for that... Uh, I think it's best if we talk to one of the creative voices behind the Star Trek Adventures product line, uh, product line manager, Jim Johnson. Hello, Jim. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself before we get started? Uh, sure thing. My name is Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager for Star Trek Adventures, uh, which is published by Modifius Entertainment, a British game company. I've been working on the line for uh, just over four years now. I started off as a writer on the core book and uh, rapidly got involved in uh, everything pretty much. I uh, got promoted to project manager last year and uh, been working hard on it ever since. Yeah, you'll see his name in a lot of the books. Just check it out. It's right there in the front pages. Oh, yeah, almost <laughs> all of them, I think. Yeah. First, uh, I guess let's give people a little context and what is a line manager for an RPG? What do you actually do? So uh, I can't speak to what a line manager would do at different companies. I can tell you what they do at Modifius, uh, right? Because you know every every game company is a little bit different. Every book has you know different titles and everything that's going on. But for Modifius, the project manager is in charge of the overall line. So um, coming up with concepts for products, figuring out the budgets for those products. Um, marshalling the forces to uh, to make those products into manuscripts. So it's uh, it's uh, finding writers and uh, arranging editors and proofreaders and coordinating with all the different teams at Modifius, whether it's the um, the, the art director or the uh, concept and design people who do the actual layout. Uh, it's uh, I mean honestly it's a lot of cat herding. 
Um, or, you know, I guess in, since it's Star Trek, it's, uh, it's triple hurting. It's uh, endless amounts of email uh, day after day after day. Um, but it's also a huge amount of creative uh, creative fun because it's uh, it's figuring out, like, what cool game products are we going to come up with and then figuring out how to make it happen. So it's a combination of uh, triple hurting and project management, really. So there's a, a, lot of, a lot of moving parts involved in it. Yeah. So were you a Star Trek fan first or an RPG fan first? Uh, Star Trek fan first. Yeah, I, re- I remember when I was like five or six watching uh, Star Trek reruns on a little teeny tiny four inch black and white television back in the 70s. You know, when the original series was uh, when I could catch a catch a, uh, uh, a you know, rebroadcast episode by, uh, you know, it is classic, right? I had the tinfoil on the aerial trying to find the right connection to make it work, you know. The, the knob that pops I out, turn it on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And um, so, yeah, I was a I was an original series fan way before RPGs were ever a thing. Um, I mean, obviously, when Dungeons & Dragons came out, I got into that, and it wasn't until later that I figured out how to mesh the two together. But, yeah, lifelong Star Trek fan. Nice. So what is Star Trek Adventures, and why, really, should people pay attention to this game as opposed to others? Yeah, so Star Trek Adventures is the is the current iteration of a Star Trek RPG, tabletop RPG. So if you've played Dungeons and Dragons, if you've played Vampire the Masquerade, if you've played any number of other t- tabletop RPGs out there, you're familiar with the concept where you're getting together with a group of people uh, at a table, whether it's physical or virtual at this point, right? Because right. a lot of people are playing virtual now. Yeah, I'm playing uh, virtual. You create myself. characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so you create characters and you go through a Star Trek. Uh, story or adventure or situation or you know whatever you're doing and uh, star trek adventures just happens to be the most recent version there have been at least four or five different versions of a star trek rpg prior to this one over the years and the most recent one was uh, published by a company called decipher Mm -hmm. and that was back in 2000 2002 2003 something like that right so it's been and star trek adventures came out in 2017 so there was a, a like a 14-year gap where Star Trek fans were just bereft of any new RPG that really came out, right? Any official RPG that came out. Right. And uh, you know, Modiphius took the opportunity to take the license or you know, to, to get the license and uh, have been uh, charging full speed since, uh, since we got it. Right. Some of us were taping, duct taping our lug books back together, our last Unicorn Games books back together so we could keep using them. So <laughs> um, what, how does this version of Star Trek, uh, the RPG, differ from the previous versions like the Last Unicorn Games or Decipher or um, the other versions that we talked about? Like I know GURPS has had a version and uh, what Prime Directives mm-hmm. and FASA, I think, had a version. Um, how does this one differ from mm-hmm. those? Uh, so having played all of them, uh, from from Fossa to Lug to Decipher to to this one, I think I think what Star Trek Adventures does differently than the other ones is there, it really it really plays at the conceit that you're playing characters like on a Star Trek television show doing doing adventures, kind of in the in the format of a television show, right? Like so you're kind of yeah. you're working through the plot, but you, the the idea is that the game mechanics support you going from scene to scene to scene building momentum through that scene and then you know if if you still have momentum at the end of the scene you you lose a point because you don't have that same level of momentum Uh, but it's really focused on uh on drama and uh uh, just you know storytelling and especially more than anything else is really about the characters right one of the key components of the game are your character's values and those values can be tested at, at different points in an episode depending on how things are going and, uh, and, and your character can actually change, right? Your, your values can change and shift 
over the course of a, of a campaign. Right. And I haven't really seen that um, mechanically in a Star Trek game before. And I think Nathan, uh, Nathan Dowdell, Dowdell the, uh, the designer of the game, I think just did a fabulous job of kind of making the game really focused on the characters first and foremost. Because uh, if you think about Star Trek, I mean, ultimately, Star Trek is about the characters, right? It's not about the... It's not about the cool. Uh, it's not about the tech. It's not about um, you know ships blowing each other up. Although that certainly happens, um, but it's it's ultimately you know you, you tune into the show to watch what Spock and Kirk and Picard and Riker and you know all the other characters are up to on a day to day basis because you're inviting them into your home, right? You're watching the show and you're inviting them into your home for an hour every week, and uh, those are characters that you want to you want to live with, and uh, that's what we try to do with an RPG too, right? Is you make interesting characters that you want to play for months and months and months and uh and hopefully play with your friends who also have interesting characters that you can play with for months and months and ultimately it's character focused more than anything else right i think one of the things i've noticed about playing this game in particular over the other ones that i've played is this really does feel like you're like you're writing a script for an episode and as you're playing the game Mm -hmm. out it's like you're playing an episode of the show and it's completely different i think i think it's the the system has done a very good job of capturing that that i think the other ones didn't do um so i i think you're absolutely right there um so i guess what are the limitations of the license and and like what sort of coverage can the fans expect from the franchise uh well so our license currently covers um all the quote-unquote legacy series so enterprise original series the animated series Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager. We, we, we have all those that we can pull from. Uh, the 10 original movies, so the, the original series movies and the Next Gen movies, we have access to all of those. Uh, we're also able to pull uh, from all the different novels and all the different comic books. Oh. And even we've even strategically dropped in some stuff from Star Trek Online because mm-hmm. uh, we've developed a really good working relationship with, with those folks and are working to do more with them. Uh, you know, just kind of in conjunction with the game and using some of their art and, and trading things off and stuff. Um, so that's what our license pretty much covers right now. Uh, obviously, we would love to add Picard and Discovery and Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks and all the other stuff that CBS is working on. We'd love to add all those. Uh, but that's just, a, you know, that's a process that has to take place. You know, you know a lot of negotiation because it's a, it's a licensed property, right? So right. we would love to add all that at some point, obviously, because those are the shows that are on the air now. And it would be fantastic to be able to tap into those fan bases because, you know, love them or not. And, you know, I'm not going to go into whether I love them or hate them, but right. that's new Star Trek that's on the air. And there are, there's a whole new generation of Star Trek fans that are being, being created right now by discovery and by Picard and by lower decks. And uh, there's an opportunity to, to, to pull them into an RPG right. you know, and get them playing. And uh, that's, I mean, that's just exciting. I, I'd love to figure out a way to do it. So, uh, you know, to be determined if we can make that happen. But uh, in the meantime, we've got plenty of material to work on yeah. with the uh, series that we do have access to. Yeah, my wife is finally becoming a Star Trek fan. Uh, I got her to sit down and watch all of DS9 and all that. But the, what's getting her really uh-huh. hooked is Lower Decks. So, Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think it's a good show. I like it. So I'm looking forward to that. I know uh-huh. uh, you guys sent out today at the time of recording um, a survey that references a lot of the materials that people might want to do. I don't know when that survey ends, right. if it's going to end before this air, this airs or not, but um, I will put a link in the doobly-doo and people can check that out. I think that's a good one to, to give some feedback and let everybody know what they think. So, Yeah, uh, it was just a serendipitous timing that that survey came out the same day that, we're, that we are recording this, yeah. uh, which is kind of neat. I, I believe the survey ends on October 4th, 
Okay. Uh, so I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, it, hopefully people had an opportunity to take the week to uh, to go check it out. Yeah, I'll try to get up before that. I can't guarantee anything, but we'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> so this game was released in August of 2017, as you said before. Um, it's been out for a little mm-hmm. over three years. In that time, we've seen a lot of material coming out for this game. Two adventure compilations, oh. three division books, four quadrant books, uh, a bunch of material for a living campaign, a second core book that isn't actually out yet, but is, is coming. Um, and I, I love that one. And it features all of our favorite lobster headed warriors and gold LeMay, the Klingons. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys don't get that reference, Google it. It's a, you, you'll get it. <laughs> um, so what's next for as for Star Trek adventures? Uh, let's see. The next thing coming up is the uh, Shackleton campaign ex- or the Shackleton experience campaign setting. Uh, we announced that uh, a couple months ago at a day of honor event. That was a big uh, multi uh, multi licensor or multi licensee event that we did with uh, the folks at Star Trek Online and uh, uh, some other folks. And um, what that is, is we've taken the living campaign and uh, and we've kind of morphed it into a full-blown campaign setting hmm. where, uh, um, you know, we took the, the living campaign that's available now and, and added a lot more content to it. And we're also turning the Shackleton, you know, expanse itself into a campaign setting so that game masters uh, can uh, can come to it either from the Klingon book or the Starfleet oriented core rule book and uh, and just have this full not just a setting but also uh, there's a whole uh, mini campaign a 10 part campaign built into it that we started doing in the living campaign hmm. uh, but now we're able to continue in a, in a much bigger format in a, in a book as opposed to trying to release um, installments on a regular basis which was really hard to do hmm. uh, we, we I think we, we, we were more in, it was a great idea, but it was more ambitious than what we were prepared for at the time. Sure. And uh, I think because uh, we wanted to do a lot more with it as a, as a living campaign, but we just didn't, A, we didn't have the infrastructure and, and B, we just, we didn't really account for the, the review cycles necessary with CBS just mm-hmm. to you know get things, get things done. Uh, so um, that's the big thing we're working on right now is that, is that campaign setting. Um, and then other than that, um, I can't talk about what we've got coming up next. Other than to say that I've got, um, I, I just I just revised it this morning. My spreadsheet has, uh, I think, 41, 41 or forty two active things in in process, and we've got the release schedule pretty well nailed down for the next I think nineteen months, nineteen months, twenty months, something like that. Uh, so the, there's a long, long runway ahead of us, and I think even the the survey that came out today mentioned that uh, you know we're looking for feedback from fans to find out what we want to be working on for the next several years. Sure. So, uh, you know, if anyone's concerned about the Klingon book, you know, killing Star Trek adventures, like a Klingon book has killed every other <laughs> version of the game. Uh, it's, it's fortunately, it's not going to happen. We're, we're going to, we're going to be around for a good long time here. So I have two follow-ups to that. The first is, is the Shackleton expanse uh, story? Is that going to be something that advances the timeline? Cause I know the game starts out default in what? 22, 2371, right? Is, is this a planning to advance the, the timeline at all? Or are we going to see things that we don't normally see in, on, on film that's going to be advancing forward? Or is it just kind of a loose, do your own thing? Uh, let's see. So the, the 10 part, um, like the, the, the epic main storyline that's, that we started in the, uh, in the living campaign, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to put any spoilers in here, right. but let, let, suffice to say that the, the living campaign is a, is an epic storyline that starts in the original series era, mm-hmm. starts in 2269. And there's some stuff that happens and then it continues on into, into the next generation area, next generation era in 2371. And then more stuff happens, you know, in, in the TNG era. 
Um, right now, you know, I'm still in the middle of edits on it, but what we've been really careful to do is to structure all of the adventures in such a way that they're not necessarily uh, time dependent, mm-hmm. right? Because we want right. game masters to have as many tools at their disposal as possible. So, you know, we have a 10 part story and we are, you know, strongly encouraging GMs to play those in order, right. but you can insert all kinds of stuff in between them. It's like, it's not like you have to play part five and then immediately go to part six. You can sure. kind of, you know, stretch it out for as long as you want. And uh, if you're familiar at all with the, um, with the Klingon core book that we've got coming up, uh, one of the things I introduced into that is something called a mission brief, which is a one page high level synopsis of an episode that a game master can take and spin and modify to their own campaign and go off and running with it. We're going to be, pa- we're going to be packing the Shackleton expanse book with a whole bunch of mission briefs that run the gamut from, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of original series stuff and a lot of next gen era stuff, including some that would be set in the dominion war. Okay. Um, because if you, if you are familiar enough with the living campaign, one of the conceits was that we, uh, we had three ships, three Federation ships were, sh- right. were assigned to the expanse. And it just works out that all three of those ships that we named actually have our cannon ships, right? The venture, the Bellerophon and the, um, uh, the Thunderchild all have things to do in canon that aren't directly related to the Shackleton expanse, right. but have them going off different, doing different things. And so we wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity if a game master and crew happened to be using one of those three canon ships that we could drop in a mission brief that says, oh, hey, by the way, if you're playing the Bellerophon, you know, at this start date, you should be off doing this thing. And so if you want to, you know, build that in, here's how you, here's a way to do that. Or, or hey, the, uh, you know, the Thunderchild showed up in uh, Star Trek First Contact fighting the Borg. So maybe you take a break from the, um, you know, maybe you take a break from the Shacklin Expanse, you go defend Earth from the Borg, and then maybe you go back or something. So we're trying to build in that canon right. connectivity to some extent That's uh, cool. so that game masters are aware of it. Uh, of course, you know, game masters are welcome to use whatever ship they want to. They don't have to use the ones that are provided, right? They can do whatever they want. Right. Um, but ultimately, yeah, trying to trying to make it kind of timeline agnostic because, of course, no campaign setting can ever survive contact with any number of game masters, right? Right. And so what my intention is to give all of you, all of you game masters and players, as much flexibility as possible. We don't want anybody to be kind of like, stuck in a specific timeline. So we, we we're trying to keep it pretty flexible, like as far as how many, uh, how many of the adventures you run and how much space you fill them out. Right. Right. Uh, so the other follow up to that one was, uh, well, first of all, I think that's really awesome. I, I totally agree with that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the other follow up was you said you had about 40 plus projects. Is there any kind of like release schedule that we can expect? Like, are we looking at one a month, one every three months? Um, just a rough, uh, well, you know, some some of the uh, some of the um, things on the release schedule are standalone adventures, like sure. the, the digital releases that we do regularly. Um, I'm finally at a point where I have a um, um, you know a team behind me that I, that I'm actually is pretty stable now in terms of editors and proofreaders and uh, um, layout people. I mean, mm-hmm. the, it's just been a process of getting all those pieces into place. And now that I've got those pieces into place, um, we should be able to release one every month heading into, you know, starting in 2021, a, a new standalone adventure every month, in addition to all the other, you know, 30 odd projects that we've got going on. So, right. um, there will be regular ongoing releases of, of digital type stuff. 
as well as, um, you know, bigger projects, the bigger projects, obviously those won't be every month. Right. Uh, Cause we just don't have, the, we don't have the resources to do everything uh, so quickly, but uh, yeah, this, we're working on it. This game seemed to have really taken off. And I, th- I feel like at first it seemed to have catched, caught everybody off guard and it, how, how well it was going to mm-hmm. do. So um, the fact that we're yeah. getting caught, caught up now is, is, you know, it's great. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think, um, I think uh, online playing has has played a big piece of that. I think I've, I've discovered a lot a lot of people are playing on uh, Discord or Roll Twenty or any of the other number of uh, virtual right. tabletop platforms. And I think you know, obviously part of that is COVID, uh, but some of it too is just uh, I think Star Trek Adventures. And going back to one of your earlier questions, what makes Star Trek Adventures different from all the other Star Trek RPGs is I think Star Trek Adventures is really the first Star Trek RPG that's been able to. Uh, unintentionally take advantage of the internet hmm. uh, where I know that the shield shield of tomorrow folks that were doing that, um, that they were playing the game online and on YouTube, right. And they were, or Twitch right. and they were hosting the game and playing the game online. And that really drew a huge audience that I'm pretty confident Modifius wasn't expecting to have happen because it, it was just, you know, these fans put this thing together and we're playing the game and it was, it was amazing. And that, that generated a lot of interest for the, for the game. And I think, you know, it's just it's just expanded from there, you know. And we you know this year we've had a couple of different of a couple of different bundle opportunities uh, for a mix of uh, charity and then you know being able to buy into the game. Right. And like that that last uh, humble bundle did really well and and just brought a whole another huge cadre of potential gamers into the game that we're trying to figure out like how do we best service them to give them all the opportunities to to play the game. So I think we're we're in a great place and uh, certainly could could do for more. And uh, just looking forward to seeing what, what comes next. Yeah, I will say that I play currently Modifius games online. I go through Fantasy Grounds. I'm playing Conan. I'm playing Vampire, which isn't really Modifius, but kind of Modifius. Um, Star Trek, yeah. which I think is the easiest one to play online. It, it lends itself really well to that. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I'm working on a bunch of other games, too. For I, I play a lot of Modifius games at the moment. So um, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So there's been a lot of talk in regards to other RPGs uh, about a greater focus on accessibility to the LGBTQ community, um, disabled Mm -hmm. gamers, gamers of color. Um, Some of the upcoming products for some of these lines are taking a lot of steps to try to address these complex criticisms of role-playing games and really role-playing in general in regards to representation. So what's your take on, on that? And how do you feel Star Trek Adventures does in addressing these issues? That's a great question. Um, so I, I I started getting more involved in Twitter, um, I guess, four years ago when I really started getting involved with the line and, and really trying to make an effort to, uh, to to not just reach out to the community, but just to get a to, to listen and to understand what the community is saying, mm. not just about Star Trek, but about RPGs in general, because I know that RPGs for a long time. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, it, for a long time, it was kind of a a white guys club, right? You know, right. whether you were a gamer or, a, or actually a, in the industry, right? In the industry, uh, developing games, it tended to be very much a white guys club. Right. And, uh, and, you know, that's obviously a problem. Uh, you know, for me, uh, diversity has always been important in my life and in my professional career. And then in, in RPGs and gaming. And uh, I am, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that in general, the industry is making changes in, in a positive direction toward fixing a lot of that. Uh, certainly, there's certainly a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, I am fortunate and, you know, I consider it a very much a success story that the the team I've been able to build for Star Trek Adventures is incredibly diverse. 
And I don't think I've heard anybody like it's never come up in any of the interviews I've had. And I haven't seen any chatter about it online. And I'm on a lot of the different social media channels and I try to keep an eye out for it. And I haven't heard any complaints. And, you know, if people do have complaints, please let me know. I'm not hard to reach. So please tell me. Um, But like our like the team that I've developed is all over the spectrum, all the, all the different spectrums, right? Whether it's uh, a, a gender identity or sexual preferences or a religion, color, uh, I mean, just every, you know, all the different uh, uh, perspectives you can think of, uh, sure. we are represented one way or another. And I am, you know, grateful every day that all these different people have come on board to, to work with me on the game um, because that representation is Star Trek, right? I mean, that is idic at its essence, right? right. It's in, infinite diversity, infinite combinations. Um, it, it's tricky though, because like on the one hand, I want to promote that as hard as possible because I know it's important uh, for people to, to know that they're, that they've been represented or are being represented. Uh, but it's also important for me to uh, preserve the privacy of the people that I work with. Sure. Cause some of them are not out or some of them are, have not, um, you know, made it public where they stand on, you know, specific areas. Right. But, um, um, yeah. So I just, you know, always trying to do more for the, for diversity to make Star Trek even more diverse and, uh, it, it'll never stop. I mean, it's, it's a lifelong goal of mine to, to, to think those in those directions. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say really, really other than just, uh, making, making as many strides as we can to be positive, uh, a positive force for everyone to uh, to be involved and uh hopefully we're doing well and if not boy i sure i sure want honest feedback as much as possible right i think personally and i mean i don't have a lot of room to speak on this but i think that star trek adventures is one of the fewer games out there that i don't really see a lot of barrier for and i i haven't heard a lot of discussion mm-hmm. there's some talk in the communities about some of the communities being a little more toxic but that is something that the, the sure. fans have to deal with on their own um right and you know they, they can only do so much uh, people have to, people have to come to their senses. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 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 The, that toxicity is, is really, especially around Star Trek is really confusing to me. Yeah. Um, because like I've been a Star Trek fan for so long and like, I know that diversity and inclusion was baked into it from the very beginning in the sixties. And, and I read some comments on online from people that are in a very different direction and I just don't understand what television show they were watching to have the, right. you know, the attitudes and beliefs that they have. It's like, that's what, what you're saying is like, it's nowhere in Star Trek anywhere. Not like right. even the worst horrible villains are not, um, you know, as, as virulent as some of the fans are out there. And I just, right. I, I don't right. get it yeah. know, honestly. So I mean, I just try to focus on, on good stuff, you know? Right. I mean, Gene had his issues, but you know, the, the setting as a sure, whole, absolutely. the things, the things that he laid down, I mean, it is a thing I think anyways to aspire towards. It's one of the reasons I've always been a right. huge fan of the Star Trek, uh, everything the Star Trek franchise as a whole. I think sure. it's been great. Um, so I guess if you could work on one, let's say dream project for the Star Trek uh, RPG or really Star Trek at all, um, what would that project be? And, and what are the chances of anything like that actually happening? <laughs> Gosh, I, I, man, that's a, and I, I know you asked me that um, to prepare for this and I've, I've been thinking about it because like, I know that when we were developing the game, we were on, on our, you know, our private social media channel talking about the game and the rules and stuff. And we were like, Oh, wouldn't it be just amazingly cool if we could do like a Borg 
box set with all the stuff thrown into it and just be this huge gigantic thing that you just drop on the table and it's like there it is right and for a while that was pie in the sky and then you know the president of the company said well you know what would it take to make that happen and we were like uh okay so then you know, we figured it out and we did it on on launch and it's like it's just a behemoth of a thing um and it was just so cool to come out with that but to but for like an actual product and, and, and you know i have to think about this too from two perspectives right not just as the project manager of the game but also as a lifelong Star Trek, you know, geek and, right. and like a, a lifelong Star Trek RPG or right. Cause that's, that's one of the perspectives I bring is that, you know, not only am I you know, managing this game right now, but like I'm a gamer too. And like, there are certain things I want to see at the table sure. just to, to play. Like if I was, if I wasn't you know working for Modifius, I'd be like all over this game and being totally <laughs> rabid about it. Yeah. Um, but gosh, what, what would be my dream project? You know, I, I always joke, you know, those, those that follow me on social media, I always joke about wanting to do the pack led source book. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's not really serious. That's just me having fun. Right. Uh, oh, speaking of which, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Easter egg for you. Anytime you see something pack led in any part of the Star Trek Adventures game, that's all me. Whether it's a sidebar <laughs> or a piece of art or something else, I, I, I drop in the pack leads when I can just because they're, they're so hilariously fun. Very nice. Um, gosh, I don't... I suppose the easy answer yeah, you know, is doing anything with Star Trek. I, I don't want to waste a lot of time thinking about it, right. but I don't really have a good answer for for because, I mean, honestly, this job right now is the dream job. Right. I just got lucky to be in the right place at the right time to be working on this. And and like I said, you know, we even with the series that we do have access to, we've got years of content that we can still work on and develop um, that, you know, all of it is, I mean, I'm just grateful to be working on it at sure. all. Right. Um, you know, maybe I'd really love to figure out a way to come up with, uh, with like, a. um, and again, this is just wishlist. This isn't anything that we're actually developing. Sure. It's just, uh, me throwing, throwing ideas out there. Um, it would be really cool if we could come up with a, with like a, a revised core rule book that was, uh, not just set setting or series agnostic, but like was targeted at every, every fan, uh, and, and could figure out a way to make everybody happy. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not realistic, but like right. if we're talking pie in the sky here, uh, cause I know that, um, a lot of fans, especially, uh, and you know, I'm not saying this in any negative connotation cause I love everybody right. involved in Star Trek and everybody who's a fan, but like there's a certain cadre of original series fans who are like really, really, really hardcore original series fans yeah. to the point where they don't want anything to do with the game if it doesn't look anything like the original series. Right. And uh, I understand that, you know, we made the conscious decision to base Star Trek Adventures with a default year of 2371, you know, setting it squarely in the middle of next gen DS9, because that's, you know, where the most, um, you know, canon material is really is in the, is in next gen era. Right. Um, but to hear from fans that, that when they say, well, it's not TOS, so I don't even want to look at it. Where, you know, I know intellectually that the entire rule system is for every Star Trek, right? You can sure. do Enterprise, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager. You can do anything you want with it. Um, but I don't know if it's that they just don't like the look and feel of it or if they just can't look beyond the Elkars layout and don't see the game behind it. Right. Um, so it'd be right. nice to figure out a way, like, could we do a, a refresh on the rule set that... Um, had had a layout, you know, that that was that felt like Star Trek, but wasn't clearly 
original series, Enterprise, Next Gen, DS9, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I, I don't know if that's realistic, but uh, that's I guess that's what's been on my mind. It would be uh, interesting. Recently, to see, it would definitely be interesting to see what that looked like. Um, yeah, I will say yeah. that my I think of all the RPG books that I own, and I own a a multitude of RPG books. Uh, mm-hmm. In particular, Star Trek books. I think the the best book, the best looking book I have ever had my hands on is the Last Unicorn Games Star Trek the original series book. That is what I've I never actually opened the book and played it, but man, that book looked so good. Um, and uh-huh. I I think the new ones look really good. Uh, they I get my fingerprints all over them because black pages. But other than that, <laughs> it's my only real complaint. Um, yeah. But man, I tell you, like for me, I think going over the years, I think my my two dream books you know, not being a guy, not being a creator, but my two dream books were when I was younger, I really liked the ships of the line book from last unicorn games. And, uh, mm-hmm. I look forward to anything and everything mirror universe. I don't know. I'm, I'm obsessed with that. So that's my dream that I want you guys sure. to come out with when you, when you do, I'm, we'll be all over that. So, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know I talked about this on other, other places, but, uh, a, 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 a starship book, a dedicated starship yeah. book and uh, mirror universe. I mean, those have been on the whiteboard, the, the dream whiteboard for a long time now, and I'm sure we'll find a way to get there eventually. It's just a matter of figuring out the, all the different things that are in process already. Yeah. I know Steve long did the star, uh, what star doc for years. And that was, that yeah. kept a lot of people going for star Trek for a long time. So, um, I know right. there's, I know right. there's definitely people out there who want a, a dedicated ship book. Uh, the decipher ships book was really good. Um, and I'm, I like everything mm-hmm. you guys do with the ships so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what more comes up from that. Um, so I have one cool. last question, and that is, who's your captain? Cisco, uh, Benjamin Cisco, no doubt. Yep. I yep. think uh, I think ben- I think Benjamin Cisco is the uh, is the most fully realized mm. uh, captain in all of Star Trek, uh, partially because he's just got so much going on. Uh, you know, he was initially resistant to the job that he was given in the pilot, and uh, he's a single father. And he suddenly becomes this uh, this uh, this uh, emissary to the prophets. That this this whole religious angle that we'd never seen before in Star yeah. Trek, really, to the to the degree that we saw it in DS Nine, and uh, and they found a way to balance all of that throughout the entire series. And uh, Avery Brooks, just an amazing yeah. actor, amazing director, and uh, I just think that like Benjamin Sisko is just the most fully realized captain of all of them and partly because you know ds9 gave him the opportunity to have that arc from beginning to end yeah uh, there's just so much going on with that series that i think um like original series and ds9 i'm sorry original series and next gen and voyager couldn't quite do to the same extent just because the way the right. um episodic structure kind of works against that to some degree yeah um so yeah cisco's my captain by by my own means although i will have to admit that i have a I have a I have a man crush on uh, on Anson Mountain, so I'm really curious to see what they do with Pike in uh, in Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that show. It's uh, I've looked forward to every new Star Trek show that's come out, and whether I've liked them or not, I'm looking forward to this new one coming. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else for you, Jim. Um, you got anything else you wanted to add? Oh man, I could talk all day about Star Trek or Star Trek <laughs> Adventures. So I'll, I'll just try to I'll, I'll try to be good though, because uh, I don't. I don't want to spend the whole night doing this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we'll get you back for another show later. We'll do another episode and, and hit on things yeah, that absolutely. we didn't touch in today. So, um, Jim, I really appreciate you coming on. This is the very first episode of Star Trek uh, of STA engage. And, uh, it's great to have you. And I really hope to see you again. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, thank you so much to all the fans for supporting the game. Uh, obviously we wouldn't be doing this without you. Uh, so, uh, we are going to try to keep you happy for as long as we can. So right. thank you. Thank you so much for all your support. 
Thanks for the invite. I can't wait to talk to you again. Yep. And again, you'll have all the links to the, the doobly in the, down on the doobly do. So check those out. Check out Modifius. And uh, thanks. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right, guys, that's all I have. I really want to thank you for stopping by. I want to thank Jim Johnson for being here with us. Uh, it means so much to me and the guys at Continuing Missions for you all to have been a part of this, the first episode of STA Engage. There's a lot of work that goes into putting this episode out. Uh, and in the future, we're going to have so many more episodes for you that we have planned. Um, so again, thank you all for stopping by. In the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, getting started with your character for STA and how you can make a more memorable and engaging persona. So stay tuned next time for where no one has gone before or another fine mess you've gotten us into. Until then, I am your host, not a real Dr. RPG, Jeff Harvey, and on behalf of myself, my guest, Jim Johnson, and everybody that works behind the scenes here, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this video. Uh, live long and prosper.